Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. I want to take a few moments um, real quick. I'm from Hilo, Hawaii. We're on the big island, the island with the volcanoes. I have my lovely wife with me, Shinobu, of 24 years. And I can honestly say it's been the best 24 years of Shinobu's life and um, <laughs> of my life. And uh, I love my wife and I was fortunate to get to tag along with her at the Cherish Conference. And I got ministered to so much. So I was there with tears in my eyes and I wasn't even wearing pink, you know. And I, it was just amazing. Um, and then I have my daughter with me, Melody. She's here. She just turned 20 on Wednesday. So she's with us. I have two other kids, but we didn't like them as much, so we left them at home. <laughs> my oldest is, uh, I have two boys. My oldest, Zane. My youngest, Jaren, 23, 20, and 18. And so God's blessed us with a lovely family. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I shared this message in our church that I'm going to share with you today, and it's a message about forgiveness. We're doing a giving series, and every time I talk about giving, I take a, I take a week to talk about forgiveness, because being generous is not just with finances, but forgive, right? The word give. I don't know if you ever thought about that, but forgiveness is something that you and I Give And so we talk about tithing as, as it was so shared, shared so well this morning uh, with tithing. And I tell our church all the time, tithing actually isn't generosity. You say, I'm, I'm generous. I tithe to the church. No, you're, you're just being obedient. Because tithing is returning to the Lord. It's 10% in case you don't know. And we return to the Lord our finances. So you can't be generous with what isn't yours, right? So we tithe, we're obedient in tithing. Now what's so important about tithing is that when you read through the Bible, you always find that obedience always brings blessing. Always. Obedience brings blessing. When, when they're obedient, God blesses. When they're disobedient, they get into trouble. Obedience brings blessing blessing and so uh, tithing and and when we do that and then we step into generosity generosity is what's given the above and beyond the 10 percent you get to determine that and you might wonder you know you ever hear people say oh, I don't want to go to church all they do is talk about money all they do is they want your money how many know Apple only wants your money <laughs> Amazon's not a charity they want your money um, no here's the reason here's the reason why uh, real, real quick, is that money, people think that money corrupts. Money doesn't corrupt character. It simply reveals it, right? It reveals who we are. I've had people tell, I've had people, the pastor, if I had a million dollars, I'd give it all to the church, honestly. And I'm thinking, I don't say it out loud, in my head, I'm like, how about you start with the $10 in your pocket? It reveals who you are. Um, it reveals. And, and so we, we talk about this, but forgiveness is also something that reveals who we are. Forgiveness is something 
that we give. And this message is called Forgive to Live. To experience life and, and life more abundantly, you need to learn how to forgive. And our church, we don't have a huge social media following. Um, you know, there's ministries that are mega and huge followings, but we put up a clip from this and a, a, a simple reel, and it went viral for us. And as I was thinking, why? Why did this one go viral? You know, I'm not like doing anything out of the ordinary. I'm not screaming. I'm not yelling. And what I realized is that there's just so many people who are living with pain. So many people that are dealing with unforgiveness. And so many people that aren't able to let go. People in the world will say this, all you need is love. All you need is love. Well, you know, relationships are started with love, but they're sustained by forgiveness. It's what sustains you. Celebrities get divorced all the time, unfortunately. And when they do, their publicists will release a statement. And I notice they're kind of all the same. They'll say something like this. Well, well you know, we, we love each other and we remain deeply committed to our children. We've decided to separate. Please respect our privacy. And you hear that kind of cookie-cutter statement all the time. But really, if they were honest... This is what the statement should say. We love each other, but we just don't know how to forgive. We don't know how to forgive. Every relationship that fails, probably nine out of ten are people who just don't know how to forgive. Love isn't enough. We need forgiveness. The Greek word afiemi means to remove the guilt resulting from wrongdoing. To leave it, to remove the guilt, to remove the pain. Mark Twain said this, forgiveness is the fragrance that the violet sheds on the heel that has crushed it. Isn't that a great picture? Very rarely will someone blow up their life. If you think of a relationship, you know, in marriage, very rarely someone just blow it up, go out and have an affair and just say, I, I, everything was great and I want to blow it up. No, really, if you begin to study it, probably you'll begin to realize there was a trail of unforgiven things that begin to lead people to that place. And unforgiveness is often our form of retaliation. People can do something to us and, and we may not you know, just to be extreme, take out a knife and stab them or punch them in the face or take out a gun and shoot them out of our anger. We may not do that, but our form of retaliation is oftentimes just unforgiveness. And they hurt us and they do something and then we make up in our heart, we say, I won't forget. You wait till next time. Wait till you need something from me. I'll, I'll show you. I'll show you how it feels the way you treated me. And we begin to stand on that and we retaliate in those ways. You know, we live on an island with volcanoes. And on our island, there's, there's a, there was a village called Kapoho down by the ocean. And in 1960, out of the ground, lava just came out. I mean, literally erupted. The lava came out unexpectedly it destroyed the village in 1960 it stopped erupting and it's just a, it was a lava field nothing much happened there we used to go drive through there all the time go to the beach you could still see the wrecks of some cars and things in the lava and in 2018 2018 
in another subdivision, right a little north of Kapoho, but still in the same area, you might have heard this on the news. There were fissures that started opening up in the roads and, and in, in the middle of these neighborhoods. And it would crack, lava would come out, and it would stop. And then it would crack somewhere else, it would stop. Until finally, fissure eight opened up, and it was huge. And this was a lava flow that began to, uh, it actually just, changed the whole lava game. I mean, it wiped things out. More lava came out of the, than that flow in a couple of months than the other flows put together. And all this lava came out. But I remember watching the news, and there was one of the scientists talking about this lava. And when it came out, it was, I remember seeing video. It wasn't like really fast. It was actually like black and looked, you know, nasty. Not like the, you know, the ones that look like rivers, the pohoihoi. There's the aads, that crunchy lava. And it came out. And that's how it started before it turned like the liquid one. And what the scientist said was this, is that the beginning of that flow, the reason the lava was like that, this was the leftover lava from the 1960 eruption. And I'm like, hang on. I would have thought it cooled off and dried down under, under the ground for 58 years. But for 58 years, that lava was there, and eventually it came out. And the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and said, it's a picture of people's lives, how they can hang on to unforgiveness. And we think, well, it'll just go away. It'll harden. It'll, it'll become natural. You know, it doesn't go away. Eventually, it'll manifest itself, and it, it's ugly, and it's, it's crunchy, and it comes out, and it's like, ah. That's how so many people live, hanging on to things. Luke 17, verse 1, Jesus said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. It's impossible. What does that mean? Everyone in this room, we've been offended, Everyone in this room's had the opportunity to experience unforgiveness. You've been hurt and you've hurt somebody. Everyone here. Jesus said it's impossible. You know, if you stay married long enough, if you work at a job long enough, if you come to this church long enough, at some point, something's going to try to offend you. At some point, roots of bitterness are going to try to grow. So Hebrews 12:15 says that we are to look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Bitterness will corrupt you. Watch out. We need to watch out for each other. I've never once in my life planted a weed seed in my yard. Now I know we're in California, so not all of you can say that. And if you don't know why everyone's laughing, you're holier than us, okay. <clears throat> I've never gone out once and, and said I wanna plant weeds in my yard, but do you know what continually grows in my yard? Weeds. My yard's full of them right now. Weeds, especially in Hawaii. Weeds, they just grow and they grow. I've never gone out once and say, oh my gosh, watermelon. How did this get here? You know, you walk out, pineapple, this is amazing. No, 
It's always the bad stuff that just keep growing and growing and growing and, and these roots that begin to grow down. And, you know, in our life, bitterness just keeps trying to grow and grow in every opportunity, in every nook and cranny of our heart. Roots of bitterness will try to take root. And that's why we need to watch out for one another. We need to encourage one another. We have to help each other with each other's gardens to make sure that we're pulling out root. Weeds are way easier to pull out when they're small than when you let them get big. Because then they start growing into trees. And it's hard to pull out a tree versus a weed. And that's why we need to be in church. You need to be in church. You need to be in small groups. You need to be in community. You need to be around people that can look in your life and challenge you at times and say, no, let's pull that attitude out. Let's, let's readjust this because bitterness is going to grow if you're not careful. I, was, I have a men's group and we meet at Starbucks every Wednesday morning at 5.30 in the morning. We'll, we, we meet there. And recently there's been a, a, a homeless guy and, and you know, they, of course he has some other issues. So I'm not here at all making fun of his issues. But he'll walk around our town and he pushes a shopping cart. But he'll tie strands of, of rope or chains and he gets huge pieces of metal once he was walking around with the strut of a car. And he attaches it to the shopping cart and he pushes these things and it's just and he just drags it around so we'll be in small group and he'll come right by the sidewalk and and we just stop you know we just wait we just let him pass because it's it's really loud and and I remember looking at him and just thinking how many of us including myself have lived life driving dragging around unnecessary weights unnecessary things that are slowing us down and these are things that no one else attached other than myself I've attached those things and I'm trying to go forward, and, and it just makes a lot of noise. It can drain you. It can uh, make a lot of distraction. That's just unnecessary. You know, holding on to unforgiveness will make you a victim rather than a victim. And today, as we talk about forgiveness, I just want you to understand, you can't separate giving from living. And the biggest truth is that love gives. Love is generous. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. You know, you can give gifts and you can give money to everyone, to people, to the church. But I don't think you can ever truly call yourself a generous person if you harbor unforgiveness towards someone. In fact, some of you would rather write a $500 check to the church than forgive your sister. Oh, I'll just, let me, I'll just give money. And I think God's calling us to this place of growth and that's why we want to for give. Generosity isn't a money issue. It's a heart issue. And it begins right here. And that's why it's important in our heart. You know today, I think God's already probably revealed someone to you. It's a heart issue. I think my wife and I, why, why did we make it 24 years? It's because we learned how to forgive. And most of the times forgiving is not me going up to her in the morning and saying, you know what? You got me mad last night, but I forgive you. It's just in my heart reconciling it. Now there's at times you do need to talk to people, but don't hear this message and call up someone who has no idea that they offended you 22 years ago and they've been enjoying life and you've been a bitter melon, angry about it. They don't need to know. 
I had somebody send me a message on Instagram. Pastor, I left the church. I was mad at you a year and a half ago. You said something in your message. They didn't even tell me what it was. You said something in your message, but I want you to know I forgive you. Thank you. I didn't know what it was. I'm like, great. Now I got to forgive you for making me mad by forgiving me. I didn't even know I made you mad, but thanks for letting me know. Use wisdom. Matthew 6, 14. I'm going to give you three things this morning. Three things. And you can go beat the Baptist to lunch. All right, Matthew 6, 14. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Here's the first thing. If you're taking notes, number one, it's unforgivable to be unforgivable. You know, we often will say there's one unpardonable sin. That's in Mark 3.29, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. But I'd say there's two. Matthew 6.14 is the second one. If you can't forgive others, you won't be forgiven. If you, if you can't forgive others... A sign of true repentance and forgiveness is the ability to forgive others in our life. You know, salvation is undeserved. We don't earn our salvation. You coming to church today, God doesn't say, all right, attendance, check. Yep, he can come to heaven. No, it's not, it's not those things. For, salvation is undeserved. It's grace. It's unexpected. But friends, it isn't without conditions. You get into the club for free, but now there's a life to live. And we live that life. And the evidence of our salvation and forgiveness from God is displayed in our ability to love and forgive others as God has loved us. We demonstrate that. And unforgiveness will live in the heart of a person that refuses to do for others what God did for them. I'll tell you, you'll never experience true joy and happiness until you let these things go. You won't be forgiven unless you learn how to forgive. Can you think of somebody right now that's offended you? Is there someone that you've been harboring bitterness towards? Maybe for years? Maybe for weeks? Maybe your whole life? Can you think of that person right now? And if you can picture them right now, are you willing to go to hell for them? I'm not going to go, I don't know about you, I'm not going to go to hell for nobody. I'm not going to hang on to unforgiveness. I'm not going to stain my life for nobody. Nobody's worth that. I want to forgive so I can live. I want to forgive so I can experience God's forgiveness in my life. I want to let go. I want to let go. I want to live light. See, it's unforgivable to be unforgivable Second thing is forgiveness is, is about losing count, not keeping count. Losing count. Matthew 18, 21, Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me seven times? Jesus goes, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven, which really meant as many times as is needed. The train of thought then was, 
you know, three times, God gave you three chances, and then judgment came. So Peter, who we know Peter always wanted to be kind of a show-off and probably better than everyone else, was thinking, I'm going to double that plus one seven times. I'm gonna, hey, boys, listen to this. Hey, Jesus, seven times. Jesus, no, Peter, you forgive as many times as is needed. Luke 17, 3, be on guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times saying, I repent, Forgive him. How many times do I need to forgive someone? As many times as it takes. When it resurfaces, you got to forgive. You got to let it go. You say, I, I, I don't know what else to do. I, I say I forgive. I go through the motions. What else do I do? You know what I've learned to do? I've learned to not just say I forgive them. I begin to pray for them. Oh, that's so hard. To pray blessings on people you don't like. I want blessings on people I like. Not my enemies. But I've learned to begin to pray for them. We live in a small town. I, I looked up San Diego. It's like 3.3 million people in your city. That's amazing. Because then you can hate somebody and never see them. <laughs> I live on an island with 180,000 people on the entire island. And we live in the big town, our town, Hilo, it's about 45,000 people. We have one Target, one Walmart, and if you hate somebody, you're going to see them. You're going to run into them. And over the years in pastoring, there's, been, there's people who don't like me, and I don't know why. I thought everybody would like me. And there's people who don't like me, and they say things about me, and they've left the church, and it gets me mad. And guess what? I got to drive by their house every single day. <laughs> but friends, can I tell you what I've started doing? And I'm not making this up. I've, I'll drive by their house, and every time I remember, I'll stretch out my hands. I'll say, God, I just pray that you bless their marriage. God, bless their family. Lord, bless their children. Lord, whatever church they're in now, I pray that they will flourish and they'll grow and, and be a blessing where they are. I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing it for me. You know what that does? It, it realigns my heart. Because it's hard to hold unforgiveness when you speak blessings. And I encourage you today... Begin to speak blessings. Romans 12, 18, we're to do all that we can to live in peace. All that we can. Sometimes there's nothing more we can do. There's someone who's hurt you. They've, they've molested you. They've sexually abused you. And there's hurt that goes deep. And you may never have a relationship with them again. And I get that. You need boundaries. Don't get me wrong. But I want to tell you, no matter what someone's done to you, even though you've been the victim, you need to forgive them. You need to forgive them. God has forgiven us. We need to forgive. And here's the last one, number three. Forgiveness releases people and sets them free. In Matthew chapter 18, there's a story of, of two men. And if I bring it up to, um, in, with inflation, one guy owed the king $50 million. And then this guy who owed $50 million was owed by another guy $50. All right, so 50 compared to 50 million. You guys get the picture, right? And uh, so this guy needed more time to repay the $50 million, but it tells us here his creditor wouldn't wait. So he had, the, I'm sorry, 
I'm sorry, the, the guy who owed 50 million was forgiven, right? He was forgiven the debt because he was going to go to prison. And he goes out and he sees the guy who owes him $50. So that's where our story continues. So you guys get it, right? If somebody forgave you 50 million, what would you be doing? Whatever you want. I mean, you'd be jumping for joy, right? You'd be giving testimony at church. I mean, you were given $50 million. He runs into the guy who owes him 50. He goes, give me that $50 right now. Brah, give me that money. That's how you say it in Hawaii. And the guy goes, ah, just give me a little more time. I'm, I'm trying to get you the money. Just a little more time. A little more time. And it says here, his, the creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested, the $50 guy arrested, put in prison until his debt could be paid in full. When some of the servants saw this, they were upset. They went to the king, told him everything that happened. The king called in the man who had been forgiven of 50 million and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until his debt was paid. That's what, what my heavenly father will do to you. If you, when you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. You know, we've been forgiven of a debt of sin, a huge debt, a $50 billion debt of sin that the king has forgiven us. And yet we'll hold others in contempt over smaller things. And Jesus said, Here, here's the, if you can't do what's been done for you, you'll be put into prison. And when you read the story, you read, okay, the guy, yeah, 50 million, what a jerk. He did that. He gets thrown back in prison. Good for him. That's a good ending. Story done. But I want to ask you this question. Did you ever think, what about the $50 guy who was still in prison? Because if I was writing the story, then it would say the mean $50 million guy is thrown in jail. And then the king says to the $50 guy, you are now free. But that's not what it says. What happens? Now there are two guys in prison because the only person who could forgive the $50 guy was the $50 million guy because the debt was what happened between them and not God. And you know what that story tells us is that our relationships with one another are not administered or dictated by God. God doesn't do that. If I get into a, a fight with my wife tonight and I say horrible things to her, horrible things. And I, I walk out of the hotel and I feel bad. I say, Lord, please forgive me for saying those things to my wife. How many know everything's still not okay? I'm not going to go back and my wife's going to be, God spoke to me. He touched me. Come here, baby. It'll be, you know what you ladies do? My wife's an expert. If there was a chase master, she'd always win. You know, she'd... <laughs> Sorry, I'm running out of time. How many know I still need to go back to her and I need to make it right? I need to ask her for forgiveness and I need her to forgive me. You see, the $50 guy in jail, the only person that could forgive him was the person with 50 million because that was a debt between them 
You know, it's an accepted fact that when we give money, when we give to missions, why, why are we doing that? So that souls can be set free. So the gospel can get out. You know that when we forgive, you know what that does? It sets people free. It sets people free. It's a release that although they may be forgiven by God, it's, it's a release. And too many of us have kept people in a prison of unforgiveness because we've refused to forgive even when they've asked us to forgive. Over the course of my life, I've hurt people. I've said things I sh shouldn't have said. I've done things I shouldn't have done. And there have been times when people have been so hurt that even when I went and I said that from the bottom of my heart as clearly as I could articulate that I was sorry, they weren't able to let it go. And there's been times when it's been over a year. And in one instance, a, a, a year where then after a year they came back and they just said, hey, I just want to let you know, okay, I know you apologize and you're sorry and I couldn't let it go and I'm sorry for that, but we're good. I forgive you. And can I tell you something? Even though I was forgiven by God, I did all that I could. It was like a thousand pounds were lifted off of my shoulders. When they forgave me, it's like it set me free from that. You know, Lewis B. Smead said that to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. Who in your life today do you need to release? God's grace isn't there for our willful neglect of his words or commands. His grace is for our ignorance or our inability to follow those things. But when we know what we're supposed to do, we can't just say, oh God, there's grace, there's grace, there's grace. No. We need to take that action. We need to take that step. God has the power to release us. But there are, at times, things that we need to do to release others. To release others. Close your eyes with me today. Who's that person you're thinking of? Maybe there's multiple people. You know, there are too many Christians who find it acceptable to be forgiven without being forgiving. And we have to understand that we forgive because we've been forgiven because God gave. And if you feel in any way today that you have to earn your forgiveness from God, you'll make others earn their forgiveness from you. Forgotten grace breeds unforgiven living. We've been forgiven. Let's forgive. Today, if you can picture, maybe you're picturing someone. Maybe today, it's, it's your dad, it was your mom. It could be an uncle, an aunt, a coworker, a brother, a sister. Somebody who stole from you or they hurt you, they abused you. And you've just been hanging on. You've been hanging on for so long that root has grown so deep, it's become your new identity. But you know that God wants to set you free from that. Maybe the person who hurt you is no longer alive, they're dead. God speaking today, you still need to release that. Release it in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that you speak to our hearts and challenge us. Lord, for some, it's just a release in our heart right now, right here. For others, it's, it's making a phone call. It's sitting down face to face. It's having a conversation. But God, whatever, whatever needs to be done, Lord, I pray that it happens so that we can forgive so we can live the life 
that you've called us to live. Right where you are, just, just quietly under your breath. I just, I, if you sense God's presence, I just want you to speak it out. I forgive whoever it is, so-and-so. Just speak their name. I forgive in Jesus' name. Just take a few moments. I want you to pray blessing over their life. Pray blessing over their family. The Bible says that we're to bless those who curse us. We're to love our enemies. Father, we just speak that. We're not going to be like the world. The world says, oh yeah, you, you, you should be angry. They deserve it. I would do the same thing. God, we want kingdom culture in our life. We want to be different. We want to live free. We don't want to be locked in the prison. Thank you for your freedom. Jesus died on the cross so that we could be forgiven of our sins. He forgave us that $50 million debt, a debt that we could never pay. We couldn't earn it. You can't buy it. You don't get it for coming to church, giving in an offering, praying every day. It's a gift, salvation. He died. He took our sins. He rose from the dead. And today when we accept what Jesus did in our life, when we accept that he died on the cross for us, that he paid a debt we could never pay, the Bible says that our sins are forgiven. Heaven becomes our home. And this morning, if you're here and you've never received God's forgiveness in your life, you've never proclaimed him as Lord and Savior, I want to take a few moments right before we end to do this. I just want to lead you through a simple prayer. These simple words that align with the decision you're making right now in your heart. Church family, can we all say this together? Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to the cross. I believe Jesus died for me. I also believe that he rose from the dead and he's alive in me today. Thank you for forgiving me. I choose to forgive others in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.